You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace. It, it's been a battle today. Not as much of a battle as the Blue Jays put up last night, because that wasn't a battle. But after fighting tooth and nail with Skype to accept what I wanted to do, we are here bringing you, as promised, an episode of Lockdown Blue Jays where it's not just me talking. And for that purpose, like I said, I, I promised someone and when... Today's guest was noble enough to record an episode for me while I was on vacation last week and give their takes on the Blue Jays. I got no complaints about them, so figured might as well bring them on for another go and see if we can't do any better than that. So joining me once again on the program is downtown Stephen Brown. Stephen! It's great to be here, Ryan. I mean, especially after all the technical difficulties that, that we've been having before the oh show. It's it, it's been it was. I, I think the word battle doesn't do it justice enough. Like this was the eight one game from the other uh, day. <laughs> no, and full full disclosure. This is our this is our second podcast of the day we are going to record because we recorded one earlier and it was great. It had me making fun of Steven and all the good things, but you could only hear me, which makes it sound like I'm a crazy person when talking to myself, and I don't need that out there on the internet. You know, Ryan, I don't think you need that out there on the internet for people to think that you're a crazy person, but I mean, we might as well just carry on with the episode and just forget about all the technical difficulties. You should. <laughs> you know, Steven, I invited you to come on here, but... You, I'm I'm sure that the technical difficulties will magically pop up if you say I'm crazy again. Because I'm not crazy. <laughs> You'll just hang up I'm, and just do it by yourself. I'm not crazy. Blue Jays are crazy. As we've discussed after a bullpen mindbender of a Monday night game. Came out Tuesday. Ryan Baraki was called up. He's back. But the Blue Jays do what they always do when Ryan Barucki is on the mound, and that's somehow forget how to score runs. Blue Jays lost 5 nothing last night. It, it was depressing to watch that display on offense, Steven, and I, I, don't, I don't have any words anymore. I, Skype has completely sucked them out of me, and like it, it was just abysmal trying to watch it it was anemic it was awful it was other a word here you know what i while you were having all your difficulties with skype i was just sitting here sipping a cup of tea having a little bit of apple cinnamon oatmeal and i had forgotten all about the game last night but now now that you're bringing it back up and we're kind of forced to talk about it um yeah you know the, the blue jays I mean, this has been the theme for Ryan Barucki over his first couple of starts. They haven't been able to get him that win. Um, you know, I, we just we just want nice things for our, our nice little boy. 
you know, and, and we haven't been able to get that yet. Oh my god, I I just want to hug Ryan Baraki. Just like it's not always going to be like this. They, they you'll play on a team that will score a run for you. You you'll get a win. Like I, he looked so broken, and like it was no more evident than when in the sixth inning he gets Joe Mauer, who's probably the most accomplished hitter in that Twins lineup. You know, former batting champion gets Joe Mauer to fly out. And he has to watch Teoscar Hernandez drop the ball as it hits his glove. Like, you what, know, Teoscar, what are you supposed to do? I, I, I don't know. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez looked like me playing first base the other night for my slow-pitch softball team. Like, like I was just not having it that game. So maybe it was just one of those moments for him where he was just he was just not having it. And it, and it, and it just slipped right through his glove. But I, I don't know. That... That we've seen blunders from Teoscar Hernandez this season, but that play is kind of inexcusable. Like it's 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 a routine fly ball, man. Like come on. Ryan Barucki had the same look I do when I like drop a pot of KD into the sink. Just like, <laughs> why, why me? Why why can't I have nice things? He had the exact same look that I did this morning when I walked downstairs, went to pour, went to pour myself a bowl of cereal, and realized there was no milk. Uh, I it 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 was just so bad and like the the worst part is like the second Maurer got on and like the twins scored him like you knew that was it that that was gonna be it for Ryan Barucki he wasn't gonna get that win last night because again the Blue Jays offense was so abjectly terrible last night like I. I, w- I was watching that, and, like, even when they were hitting, like, in the second inning, when Solarte led off with that double, and then Kendris Morales, who is the Blue Jays' offense lately, apparently, he poked that single through the left-hand side to put runners on the corners with run out, and the Blue Jays sent up Russell Martin and Randall Gritchuk, and... Russell Martin, all I was hoping Russell Martin wouldn't do is ground into a double play, especially with Morales on first. I didn't have to worry about that because he couldn't make contact with the ball because he struck out. And then Randall Gritchuk pulled into his April bag of tricks and pushed too hard and struck out as well. All-star Jose Barrios just making them look like fools. And Blue Jays didn't get anything close to that after that inning. And it was just abysmal. You got Trevor Hildenberger out there looking like Mariano Rivera. Just just absolutely abysmal approach at the plate. I... I don't, I don't know what, like, Brooke Jacoby can't last much longer, right? You know, there's, there's been a lot of people calling for him this season, but you did mention Kendris Morales in there, and I, I just wanted to point out, I was there at the game on Sunday when he went, I believe he went two for three with uh, two walks, or, or, or two hits and a walk, and he had a very nice approach. He had a very clean, calm approach up at the plate. Like you were saying, like, it looks almost, like, abysmal. Like, these hitters, like, like they don't have a game plan when they go up there. Their game plan is to go up there and just swing as hard as they possibly can. But sometimes it doesn't work in every situation. You know, like 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 Morales in, in the series against Baltimore is facing some shifts, and he realized that maybe hitting the ball hard to the right side wasn't going to work. So he just shortened up his swing a little bit, and he just placed two balls right in front of, you know, the, the the center fielder there, and it and and it worked. I mean, sometimes less is more, 
and and that's been a really hard concept for the Blue Jays' offense to grasp at this season. Yeah, and again, it all stems back to that to Oscar era, and and this since you're here, Stephen, and since this is Wednesday, and since we haven't done this in a while, I think it's time to bring back an installment of Pint Counterpoint. Yeah, I'm really excited for this edition because you're really fired up, and I feel like if I say the wrong thing, like you're just gonna go off the rails here. <laughs> gonna. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Uh, no, today's point counterpoint focuses on Teoscar Hernandez. Because last night while watching that, I finally figured out what Teoscar Hernandez's comp is in Major League Baseball. And it's not Jose Bautista like everyone is saying. Because, Stephen Brown, I will say to you, subject of, the, of today's point counterpoint, Teoscar Hernandez is not a major league outfielder. He is a major league designated hitter. Because his comp, as I have figured it out, is Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz, who was an outfielder coming up with Milwaukee, played subpar defense there, and then got traded to Texas, and they kind of played him in the outfield there. But then he switched to DH in Texas. And then he moved on to Baltimore... And then he moved on to Seattle almost exclusively as a designated hitter and putting up 40 home run seasons and no one cared about his offense because he used those tree trunk arms and just bash balls over the over the wall. He has that kind of power. He has that ability to reach that 40 home run plateau. But if he can't catch a fly ball, then he cannot be an outfielder. And I know he's young and trying to, mi- trying to go out there. And it's just as well to make mistakes and and do that. But you saw, again, you saw the look on Ryan Barucki's face just watching him drop that ball. And Ryan Barucki looked absolutely defeated. He he looked like a, a lost puppy that I just wanted to hold and say it's all right. And Teoscar did that with his defense. And he has shown no growth. It's why Toronto put him in Buffalo to begin with, to actually work on his defense. And he has not worked on his defense. And... I am frustrated watching him. I, I, with with the Blue Jays potentially having an outfield of Kevin Pillar, Randall Grichuk, and like Anthony Alford or Dwight Smith Jr. Insert name there, whoever you want of those two. There's no need for Teoscar to be out there, so you can just stick him at DH. And I know that makes the Blue Jays incredibly inflexible, but I cannot watch Teoscar Hernandez in the outfield anymore. Yes, I'm done. I just, I, I, I just figured that I, I just give that a couple of seconds to just breathe and let everybody just take in what, what, what you just said, because I'm not sure if you're frustrated with Skype or Teoscar Hernandez or the Blue Jays anymore. You know, Ryan. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez. I mean, you made the comp to Nelson Cruz. I don't think he quite has the arms to be Nelson Cruz. But maybe Pat Tabler saw something in the locker room the other day because he did mention that he saw him with his shirt off. So I mean, uh, he's the, he's no he's no Kendris Morales in regards to those those huge pipes where he can wear his sleeves rolled halfway up to show some guns. Um, but I think that we have to remember that this that even though Teoscar Hernandez is not one of the young kids on the block, he is one of the new kids on the block. Um, he's. 
he's this is his first full professional season in the MLB and I know that something as easy as catching a fly ball should be routine as he's come up through the minor leagues but I don't know I I feel like if the Blue Jays were just able to just kind of sit him down a little bit and just kind of calm him down out there in the outfield because once you start getting a reputation for things, then you start to overthink them. And I think this doesn't have anything to do with his ability out there in the outfield. It's definitely all between the ears. And if they just sat him down and calmed him down, I think that he could be a perfectly serviceable outfield. Not uh, uh, outfielder. Not good. Not not great. Not good. Not even just okay. But passable out there. I know that you mentioned that there's better options in the organization, but I think within those options, there's way more questions about them than there is Teoscar Hernandez. We know that at least the Teoscar Hernandez can hit. Kevin Pillar, his defense has has dis- dis- disappeared and and is gone. And I would worry more about his hitting than I would about Teoscar Hernandez's defense. And I would also worry about the willingness from the organization to even give Dwight Smith Jr. the opportunity to show that he can be that outfielder that we want him to be. Well, he's getting it today. He's, Hernandez is out of the lineup. Dwight Smith Jr. is in. And Scott Mitchell of TSN just, just reported that Gibbons said he's not punishing Teoscar by any means, but Teoscar has to get better out there. And I agree with John Gibbons. John Gibbons is a smart baseball person. He cannot have those kind of simple mental lapses out there. John Gibbons is a man of few words, but they are always wise words. Mm. <laughs> no. I I think I win. Uh, just one, one other thing about last night's game. We saw the residual effects of the bullpen game from Monday last night when John Axford had to go out there and try and pitch multiple innings again, which, again, he's never done before this year. But they wanted him to go do it. And he gave up that three-run home run to Eduardo Escobar and just completely killed any chance the Blue Jays had at coming back in this game. And I, I still don't like that bullpen game. I'm still mad about that, Steven. Why you had Jaime Garcia still in, in the bullpen. Yeah, he's been terrible as a starter, but he could have given you some length at the start. Why go with Luis Santos? Why go with Tim Meza in the third inning? Why... Combine him with Aaron Luke to make the most inefficient pastiche of Brett Cecil possible. Why send Joe Biagini out in the fifth inning when he's proven that any time he comes out before, like, any time he comes out while they're still selling beer in the stadium, he is bad. I don't, I still don't understand that entire way of thinking. Garcia should have been out there to start. Maybe that's Joe Biagini's secret. Maybe he needs um, some kind of um, beer in his system or none at all, you know? He needs prohibition. <laughs> he needs prohibition. <laughs> uh, but no, there, I, I don't know. I, I just, I hate, I hate the way that went. There were, there were only two good things about last night's game, Stephen. Two good what things. What was that? One... Kevin Pillar has a future as a color commentator. Because that was good. I enjoyed him talking with Dan Shulman and Tabby. That was good. I was all for that. That was fine. You know, that that really reminded me of the game that Jose Bautista spent a few innings as the in-stadium announcer. 
when he was serving his suspension, I believe, for the Rugnet Odor fight. And <laughs> and that that was that was just such a moment that I think that within this cataclysmic season that I think we'll be able to look back as Kevin Pillar in the booth as one of the lighter moments mm-hmm. and at least take something away from this game. At least the best thing about this game wasn't that a blank screen flashed for five or six <laughs> seconds. You know? Yeah. It, it, it's progress. It's progress. We're getting there slowly. True. I... But no, the second thing is we found we found out that we can adapt pretty much any children's franchise into ball players, as I discussed with Sean Smith last night at Sean underscore W underscore Smith. And we've determined that Ducky from the Land Before Time is essentially Munonori Kawasaki on a baseball team. So that- You know, I owned all of those VHS tapes as a kid and you brought it up before the show. Not not before this version of sh- of the show. Before the first version of the show that we Way that back. we recorded, and now we're re-recording. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember all those characters, and that that was that was a really beloved part of my childhood. I was really into dinosaurs when I when I was a kid. So mixing mixing this year's Blue Jays team with a fond childhood memory may not be the great greatest idea. <laughs> Maybe not, but it gets us through the day. It get it gets us through this time when we're looking at more Blue Jays heading out the door than coming in. And we will talk about that right after this break. Okay, so trades are are on the minds. We didn't even get any respite from it during the game because during the game, the Yankees went out and acquired Zach Britton off of Baltimore for a package that included Dylan Tate, which takes him off the table for the Blue Jays to try and acquire for Jay Happ. And then earlier today, the Red Sox made their counter move, signing, trading for Nathan Eovaldi of the Rays. They got him for lefty Jalen Beeks, who had a brief appearance in the major leagues for Boston this season. But, Stephen, I I wanted to talk to you, see if that kind of reestablishes any kind of value for Jay Happ, looking at a trade like Nathan Eovaldi. Or if the Blue Jays have kind of diminished their returns by waiting too long to trade Hap. I don't think it it diminishes the their return for Hap. I mean, he established um, an all-time high, I believe, at the beginning of June or, or about the midpoint. And then he had that start against the Yankees where I believe he gave up something like six earned runs and that probably brought it way, way down. So we needed some time to bring that value back up. But I think that Jay Happ is more valuable than Nathan Avoldi. I mean, Nathan Avoldi fetched Jalen Beeks in having only pitched about 55 or 57 innings this year you know he is he's not Jay Happ. Jay Happ is a guy that'll go out there and give you six solid innings every single start and he's not even injury prone or anything like that so it, it's a safe investment I don't think that the value that the Blue Jays would have gotten for Happ last month is any different than what they'll get now yeah but you you look at the way the market has shifted. Before, the Blue Jays were essentially trading against Texas because Texas was offering Cole Hamels. Now there are rumors that Danny Duffy of Kansas City could be available and Chris Archer of Tampa Bay could be on the table. 
And and you wonder why teams wouldn't try and get those younger controllable arms as opposed to Hap, who there's a very good chance he will be back in Toronto next year. And and like I I look at some of these guys too that have been targeted, like when when we talked about Milwaukee, the big get from Milwaukee would have been Corbin Burns, who's their number two prospect. Corbin Burns has been up in Major League Baseball since. He's pitched seven innings seven scoreless innings for Milwaukee this month alone. And now Milwaukee looks at that and like, why are we trading Corbin Burns? He's he's being a contributor right now. We might want him. So I look at that and I worry that the package that the Blue Jays are going to get isn't going to be where it's going to be. And like Hap's not a guy who you're looking for lottery tickets for. Curtis Granderson, you're trading for lottery tickets. Tyler Clippard, you're trading for lottery tickets. Someone, oh, you might be able to get a Jalen Beeks-level prospect, but Hap's your big ship right now because Donaldson and Estrada are injured and you can't trade either of them. So, like, are the Blue Jays going to be able to get that starting pitching prospect do they need? Because, like, Chance Adams looks fine, but he's no Corbin Burns. He's not even Luis Sessa. Well, I mean, you mentioned Cole Hamels as a name on there, and he's the only lefty that you mentioned and i mean all the blue jays have to do is pick up the phone and call whoever's considering trading for cole hamels and be like dude you're really gonna trade for the guy that we torched back-to-back years in the playoffs like that guy (laughs) like 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 we have a perfectly good jay app here and so i mean i think i think that that just that trumps um cole hamels being being worth anything close to J.A. Happ, and I think, you know, you, you mentioned the Rays and, and Chris Archer. The Rays are like that annoying kid at, at lunchtime that pulls up their lunchbox to the table and is like, uh, you know, I, I, I'll trade you one of these really sought-after snacks, like a fruit roll-up, or like a, in, in my day, they were, it was Oreo Cakesters. He'll trade you what? an Oreo Cakester, and but they, they they never actually will trade you the Oreo Cakester or, 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 or Fruit Roll-Up. To me, the Chris Archer trade seems like something to do in the offseason. The Blue Jays are serious about trading J.A. Happ right now, and I think that that really makes a difference when looking at um, the, the Rays and Chris Archer and then Cole Hamels. Like, I'm not even putting him, him, him in the same conversation here. Okay, first of all, Dunkaroos. Dunkaroos is the one you want. Dunkaroos? No, no. You know what? I'm going to have to discourage. Do, do, are we doing another point-counterpoint on Dunkaroos being the best lunchtime snack? Dunkaroos, I will go there. Dunkaroos are a great lunchtime snack, but they are not the cream of the crop. Don't don't come in here with your Oreo cakes or whatever the heck. No. We... <laughs> no. Ryan's just not having it today. No, I'm I'm not in a good mood. Not not having it. Um No, I the the Ivaldi trade might have been the move for the Rays just to get that value while Ivaldi's upright and healthy and throw, throwing balls over the plate. But I, it, it's the same as like seeing the rumors that the Blue Jays are taking offers on on Marcus Stroman, or teams are inquiring about Marcus Stroman. It's it's for the same reason. It's like you, 
you're trying to look at when your window is going to be. I don't I don't have any clue when Tampa Bay's window opens up, but I know when Toronto's opens up, and it's 2020 when Vlad Guerrero Jr. is up for his first full season. So, yeah, it might behoove a team like Tampa Bay to move that that asset, but I I do think you're right that Tampa Bay usually does those moves in the offseason, like when they traded Jake Odorizzi or David Price or Matt Moore. Well, Matt Moore was a deadline, I think. Drew Smiley as well. Drew, Drew Smiley, yeah. That that seems to be the Rays' MO. So I, I do agree with you on that one. And it, since we're within the last week before the non-waiver trade deadline, we'll see what the Blue Jays have in store. Like, Granderson's already pretty much out the door to Philadelphia. I know they're pushing Clippard, but... Who who's going for Clifford? I don't know. Estrada was also placed on. Uh, I'm not sure if he was placed on the DL again, but he did come out of his rehab of his final rehab start in Buffalo yesterday. So yeah. I guess you could say he's on like a super rehab assignment now. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just when I when a guy it's, named Josh Van Meter is taking you deep, it's no, it's not good. I mean, maybe maybe they might get something for Marco in August or something like that, but it's looking really thin. Yeah, I'm I'm not here for it. But we are here for you every day on Locked On Blue Jays, offering you fine Toronto takes. And Stephen, I thank you for doing so with me today, even if your snack food tastes are incredibly off the off kilter. So why don't you tell the fine folks where you can be found so they can tell you that Dunkaroos are superior. You can find me on jaysfromthecouch.com where I should have a couple more pieces um, going up very soon for them. And you can also find me on Twitter at DTSB underscore 98. It stands for Downtown Stephen Brown because I have the hottest takes around. Just like I said, your, your Dunkaroos are not good. They always make me feel sick afterwards don't know you don't you know what makes you feel feel sick eating an entire fruit by the foot at once i think anything with foot in the title is absolutely <laughs> revolting and i think noah syndergaard will completely agree with you <laughs> yeah for sure if you want to get in on this hot snack discussion you can find me on twitter at neoac18 that's neoac18 you can follow the podcast at locked on jays Again, coming at you with content every day, whether the technology cooperates with us or not, we will still go for it. So, again, Stephen, thank you for coming on. We'll see if we if we get any feedback on your performance and maybe do this again, maybe where the fans can have more direct contact with you. Hopefully, Ryan. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. So for Stephen Brown, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Locked On Blue Jays. And y'all take care.